Welcome to Reinventing Nerds. Dr. Joni Cannell shares communication strategies for technical people. She shares her own stories of learning to communicate and brings in other nerds and experts to show you how to interact with people in a way that's comfortable for you. And now, here's your host, the uniquely qualified engineer turned psychologist, Dr. Joni Cannell. Hello and welcome to Reinventing Nerds. Today we've got what I'm calling our super guest, <laughs> Nick Armstrong. And uh, I want to first say, hi, Nick. How are you today? I'm very good. I, uh, I'm pleased to be here, Joni, and I really appreciate the invite. So I, um, I'm excited to hear what we talk about today. Okay, good. Yeah, I think everyone else is on the edge of their seats here after they've probably read the intro uh, on the website here. But let me give a brief intro of Nick. I'm calling him our super guest because he's kind of a super nerd, you might say, or super geek. He, I think he uses that word more. And you know how like uh, superheroes tend to be good at everything, even though they have a specific superpower? Well, that kind of explains Nick. He's an award-winning entrepreneur. He's an author, a TEDx speaker, a marketing expert, and wait for it, he has also founded Fort Collins Comic Con. Now, I'm, we'll get to that in just a second, but I want to tell you what a superpower is, at least what I think it is. I think it's making people laugh. So we'll hear a little bit more about that. So imagine how useful that could be when, you know, a villain is about to attack, you know, having that superpower to make someone laugh. Well, okay. All right. So let's, let's get into the work context. So, you know, get out of this. So Nick, I'm saying enough about you in terms of your, your resume here, but I want to hear your story. And one of the things is you're a great storyteller. So tell our listeners and our viewers how you came to found the Comic-Con in Fort Collins. Um, well, the Comic-Con itself uh, came out of my, my business, WTF Marketing. Mm -hmm. um, and in order to understand how that came to be, um, I almost died. Uh -oh. And I was, yeah, I, I didn't pay much attention to my body and how things were supposed to be working. And so wow. I, um, I was a really horrible programmer for about two years. And they paid me to stop. Um, that's, that's essentially what happened. Um, but in between that, that point, I had about nine jobs um and i was only fired from like two of them at, you know, <laughs> okay, so i, I left <laughs> i was i was a bouncer I, I went from job to job most millennials do and uh decided that it just you know programming and all this stuff was really stressful and i was just sort of toughing it out and i was on my last week of my second to last job and uh i think that was job number 12 in the span of wow. two years Ooh, and wow. uh I was, I was feeling kind of icky. I was like, you know, I don't, I don't feel so good. I, it's just, I'm just going to go home and, and uh, take a day. And I was not, not kosher to do that at the, you know, very last week at a job, but <laughs> I was just not, I had a stomach ache. I just went home and that stomach ache never really went away. And luckily I had a friend who was much smarter than me that said, we need to go to the doctor like now. Mm -hmm. And so uh, went to the doctor, they called an ambulance <laughs> and went to the hospital. Wow. I spent about, I don't know if you've ever been to Poudre Valley hospital, but I spent about no. five minutes in their waiting room, which is unheard of. I just spent five minutes and then they had me in the ER. Um, and so my appendix was about to burst oh. and they had to cut me open really quick. And the doctor comes over after the surgery and he says, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> Cause, um, 
you you about you just got a second chance here. <laughs> this was this was pretty bad. This could have been yeah. really bad for you. Um, and so I said, well, you know, I I don't know what I'm doing because I was supposed to start a new job next week. <laughs> and, um, I guess I shouldn't do that. But I stuck it out with that company for. I believe all of four weeks before they fired me and they said, you know, when I knew it was over when they said, when are you going to wear pants again? Nick? Oh, I said, well, I just had surgery, dude. Like, this is... <laughs> um, so I pulled my 401k. I pulled every bit of, you know, money that I had anywhere at all. I paid off my medical debt um, and then uh, paid for a month of rent and a month of groceries. And that was it. So I had nothing but that amount of runway. And decided to start my business, WTF, and uh, was really just tired of gurus out in the world taking advantage of small business owners, mm -hmm. presenting like, oh, you have to get on Facebook, you have to get on Twitter, you have to get on these things. And, and my question was always, why? Like, why do you have yeah. to do these things? Do you, do you understand who you're trying to market to and whatever else? And um, in the course of just growing that business, um, I started up Digital Gunslingers, which was a social media education class. And this was before they had Facebook business pages or anything else like that. Mm -hmm. um, this was really not a business-friendly environment yet. It was very much the Wild West. And uh, businesses needed to know how to do it properly. And so I would teach them for a dollar. And the dollar would then be donated to the food bank because uh, I figured I might need it. <laughs> yeah. um, I only had a month, month of rent and a month of groceries. I was like, okay, I'm going to go to the food bank at some point. Um, but luckily, I, I spoke at Ignite Fort Collins. I had a five-minute presentation where I talked about all of the, you know, th that it was a Wild West and that it was a really cool time to get involved in it and try and figure out a story that you could tell um, without really trampling all over it and turning it into the advertised mess that it is today. Um, but... Uh, it ended up landing my, my first client and that five minute talk, um, turned into a, a content writing consulting gig, um, which turned into website creation gigs, which then turned into bigger and bigger things. And eventually, um, I came to work with the Poudre River Public Library District and they said, we'd like to do something big for our summer reading campaign. What do you got? And I said, let's make a comic con. Oh. And, uh, my friend, Nate Scott, who is the organizer of the, uh, Fort Collins zombie crawl back in the day. Um, and uh, Paula Watson Latcamp, who are the who's the communications director from the Poudre River Public Library District. Mm -hmm. We all sort of got together and said, let's do this Comic-Con thing because I think it would be really cool to do. And we, we all think that it's possible to do. And uh, like any successful business venture, then we recruited people who are a lot smarter than us yeah. <laughs> to come in and do the rest. And so a team of super geeks um, who many of whom are much geekier than I, mm -hmm. all of them were much smarter than I am, uh, came together to put this on and it's a 100% volunteer run effort. And we're on our fifth year. Um, we've raised $95,000 for the Poudre River Public Library District's children's literacy efforts. Um, there's graphic novels and comic book stacks in every single Fort Collins library now. There's all sorts of self-publishing tools that are existing now because of this. And so we're, we're really proud of that. <laughs> wow, it's not necessarily uh, the place you would think of, but now you're saying it's really the geek capital. You know, it really, Fort Collins has always been somewhat geeky. Yeah. Um, it really didn't have a, a large gathering place. Um, mm -hmm. uh, one of my friends, Dave, um, had the geeks come out at night and uh, he <laughs> was really, yeah, I mean, it was, it was like prom, but for geeks and it was such yeah. a great game night and idea. And then um, 
that that sort of continued for a little while, but it was so hard on the organizers to keep that thing going. Um, and it was about mental health awareness. Um, and the, the idea of a cause um, was really appealing to me because as I said, came from the Digital Gunslingers, was helping, I think we raised about $4,500 for the food bank during that entire Digital Gunslingers run. Mm -hmm. um, and the idea of the value of a dollar, what, what happens when somebody pays you a dollar? Well, if you give it to the food bank, they create five meals out of that. Mm -hmm. And so for, for Comic-Con, I really wanted to make sure that we stuck to that, that core value of you have something to come to um, as a geek and you don't have to pay a lot to be part of the, that platform where other comic cons, I mean, it's, you know, there's extensive right. wait lists, there's massive fees on the tickets, okay. the guest stars. I mean, you're, you know, you're either buying a photograph or an autograph with a guest star, or you're buying your favorite artist's art one or the other, because both are, you know, expensive, prohibitively right. expensive. And one of the things that we've really focused on in our con, um, and I credit Nate Scott and uh, Todd Jones, our vendor coordinator mm -hmm. with this a lot, we focused on the fun. We kept it family friendly. So it's only $20 for an individual to go. It's $10 for a, a small to medium sized child to, to attend. So <laughs> six to 12 years old. Okay. And then five and under is free. And so it's very family friendly, super mm -hmm. affordable. For less than 100 bucks, you're getting a family of four in. And then they have money to go and spend at the art and they can check everything out that we have to offer and almost everything at the con is free. That's incredible. I mean, that is so opposite of the San Diego Comic-Con. <laughs> I love those guys. I, I don't want to get on the wrong side of the San Diego Comic-Con because I, I think that they've, what they've done is they've created a really cool um, gathering place for the premiere of pop culture. Right, it um, is amazing, and, but it's yeah. expensive. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's both. I mean, it, that's the experience. And so, um, you know, at Archon, you're not going to get uh, Nathan Fillion or William Shatner or any of the other, like, and I was my, my little geeky heart yeah. beats for these things, but we also don't make any money off of the con. Right. Um, right. We donate every single one of the, the dollars that we get from the badge proceeds to the Poudre River Public Library District. All of our staff is unpaid. Nobody's making any money from this thing. Um, if you look at other pop culture cons, the Denver pop culture convention, they, I think they have a nonprofit backing as well. They might be paying some of their staff, but, um, in Fort Collins, our, our community, our geek community needs that platform. Okay. They, they really need that platform to okay. connect yeah. with other fellow geeks, but it's just not, I don't think it would ever support us being paid or anything else like that. Um, and I don't think that any of us would really expect that anyway. We're all in it to to do the thing and, and do it well, and to provide that platform for folks to connect. Okay, so now you're um, raising a few questions for me because here on Reinventing Nerds, we're all about people strategies, right? And people yeah. skills. And all right, I, I can't help but ask. So we're, we're gonna talk about people skills and building a community and all that, but what about cosplay? What kind of people skills might come up there? You know, the cosplay is a really, it takes a lot to do mm -hmm. a good cosplay. Um, and I think it's surprising that most people are like, well, I could just go to like the Halloween store, right? And but no, 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 no. You have to, a lot of cosplayers make their own. Um, some of them buy accessories for other things like that to complement some of the things that they make. Mm -hmm. So they're learning how to sew, they're learning about materials, they're learning how to 3D print things, they're learning how to, there's a material called Warbler, which is heat sensitive. So you can foam, you sh shape it into like a round foam and make armor. Um, yeah. 
people are making giant boots of the characters that they've seen one screen grab of, of their, their favorite characters from a video game um, or a movie. Um, and they're creating these things from scratch. So not only does it take amazing tactile ability to create these right. sort of things and textile knowledge to be able to put all of these things together, but we also have um, a, a creativity at play because you have to be able to you know, imagine the other half of this costume that you've never seen on screen. You have to see in your mind's eye the um, accessories that go on the other side of this suit that you've mm -hmm. never seen. Um, and in terms of the people themselves, I don't think that there is a more generous community in Fort Collins. Um, the, the geek community in, in Fort mm -hmm. Collins in particular is very generous um, and uh, exceedingly welcoming. So if anybody was just to come in and like, I really like um, My Little Pony or I really like Star Trek or I really like Star Wars, mm -hmm. um, there's, a, there's a group. <laughs> Somebody yeah. will embrace them for that. Yeah. Um, but the cosplay community in particular, um, we have, um, we have Stacy, we have Alora, we have David, all of these amazing cosplayers here in town who teach other cosplayers the tricks of the trade and they figure out how to work well together. Um, you've got Jackie who organizes, uh, Jackie and Sarah who organize geek girl brunch. Um, most of them are cosplayers as well. Yeah. You've got some amazing talent and they are just so generous with their time and their efforts, um, and being able to connect well with each other. Um, and then extending that to the larger community, um, we, we, we often participate in various events, um, and do things just to bring joy to people's lives. Um, but the Fort Collins Ghostbusters, Mayette, um, and Alex are the largest contingent of Ghostbusters. I think of <laughs> any local state, I think yeah. there are like maybe two larger state contingents of Ghostbusters. Um, and it's like California, New York, maybe, mm -hmm. but ours, you know, people come to see our Ghostbusters and they come to hang out with our Ghostbusters. And our Ghostbusters and our local um, cosplayers also, mm -hmm. you know, go to go to hospitals and and uh, hang out with kids that are sick and just want to have a day to not think about being sick. Um, they go and hang right. out with those guys, and so it's really cool to see just how generous those folks are, mm -hmm. and that community spirit is really brought to our con, and it's elevated um, everything that we do. So a couple of key elements that I've been hearing from this is this, yeah, the generosity and the community building spirit behind it that you're talking about that people want to give and create a community. And I also heard joy that comes out of it too. I mean, the joy for the kids, as you say, but the joy for the participants, everyone who's there is having a good time. And, yeah. you know, that's so much of just making a great human interaction is having some fun and, and creating some joy and, um, feeling like also this inclusiveness, like you said, that people bring you in, they welcome you, um, rather than feeling excluded, like right out, right off the bat, you can always find a group to fit into and, uh, people will welcome you in. So, uh, that sounds like some, some really interesting opportunity there for the geek crowd, um, around Fort Collins, but also you have people coming from outside as well, right? Yeah, we have about 35% of our market comes from outside of Fort Collins. Mm -hmm. um, and the average attendee brings in about $100 in spend, not including food trucks. And so mm -hmm. um, it's, that's, and, and badges. And so they spend about $100 on local art, um, local writers, local artists who are creating cool things. Um, and they're also spending it at the local geek stores. So Griff and Games and Comics okay. and Dungeons and Drafts and Heroes and Horrors mm -hmm. and Rogues Roost and Loveland, all of these different places that come together. Um, 
and the Haunted Game Cafe. I mean, all of these great venues in Fort Collins that exist for a community that are now bolstered by um, a, a unifying platform. And so we try not just with the cosplayers um, to to elevate everything that everybody is doing mm -hmm. individually. So if we know of a local writer, we'll publish them on our, our Facebook page. Mm -hmm. We'll do an interview with them on our blog. Um, yeah. We'll highlight a, a class that a local artist is teaching. Mm -hmm. um, and we've got some crazy talented uh, writers and, and award-winning authors in our, our midst as well. So Mike Barron, who's yeah. an Eisner award-winning mm -hmm. author, is um, part of our contingent as well. Uh, he always comes to our con. People travel miles to see him and get to meet him. Um, it's just such a cool thing to see art elevated to that degree. You know, this is sort of um, off the cuff here, just sort of making me think about sort of the roots of uh, the nerd community, the people who are developers, things like that too, as being so generous and, you know, putting together open source code, things like that, and uh, helping each other out and just being that way. And it's not necessarily about the money. And I don't know if we're starting to lose sight of that in our world right now. Everyone wants to make more money, but uh, this idea that just building the community and donating the money is something that can be extremely rewarding. So tell us about that, like for you and other people that you are involved with. Right. Well, you know, part of the reason the con exists, um, and I would say a large part of the reason that it's successful is because we've recruited heavily from within. So anytime somebody volunteers with us, we try and reward them heavily, right? So we get a lot okay. of swag. We give yeah. them the swag. Yeah. Um, we try and host volunteer celebration parties. We pay for their food and their drink and whatever else. And okay. a lot of that comes from the sponsors that are investing in the mm -hmm. events as well. So our ability to do that um, is perpetuated by generosity of others. And there's a sort of halo effect that works out well for those participating yeah. businesses. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of our ability to sustain the con in that way, you know, a lot of folks, um, volunteers, if they don't understand the big why, um, like, why are we doing this? What is it for? And what are we, are we part of this group? Do I really identify with, you know, this, this group? Um, and the level of sacrifice that it requires, because there is a lot of, it takes a lot of time to do yeah. what we do. And our volunteers are the, the lifeblood of everything that we do. So as they take an interest in the con and they grow up into their roles and, and we recruit them into the team, um, we really start to, you know, say, this is, this is what we're doing. This is why, this is how we're doing it. And this is, you know, would you like to do it better? And it gives them that ownership over that task. Hmm. Um, and it, I, as an organizer, really don't know um, anything about what's going on in my event. And I think that that's great <laughs> um, because what happens is that I will um, I'll assign somebody who is ridiculously competent because they've done it. They volunteered. They know what it looks like. Um, our, our vendor coordinator um, has been a vendor at shows. He's an artist. He's a writer. Um, our volunteer coordinators are folks who have volunteered with us before. They know everything there is to know about the event and how it ran and what their experience was like. And so they can bring that same sort of, um, oh, you know, when I was new, I really wanted to know this. And they bring that experience to the table. And I don't have to tell them that. I just have to enable them to do that and then step out of the way. So I don't have a ton of control. And I think that that's a great thing. Um, the only thing that I really try to do is, um, I, I use this word a lot, but I, I want to elevate the people who know what they're doing to the right. places that allow them to do the thing. And, uh, I, I think that of all of the events that I've seen in Fort Collins and had a hand in that that's the one thing that we've done 
probably better than anybody else, is to elevate the people to the position of power that they need to be and then let them loose and let them do it. Wow, these are like the key leadership skills in any forum here. So that's actually where I was going to go when you beat me to the question, you know, in terms of what skills you've had to develop within yourself uh, to manage people. And I don't know if this was all natural to you, if it's stuff that you had to sort of pick up on the way or you had role models. How did you come into these kind of skills to elevate others? Um, I, so for forever have been a Trekkie. Um, and I always looked up at the Star Trek captains as the people to emulate their skills. Yeah. Not all of them um, lead in the same way. They all have their own little different style and each, mm -hmm. you know, has their own temperament and, and each is adaptable in their own way to certain situations. But Star Trek really lends itself to some really cool leadership abilities yep. um, and competency. And I, I look at what the Orville is now, which is, you know, if TNG had been brought into the, the 2000s, mm -hmm. um, uh, Seth MacFarlane is really doing humanity a service by showcasing what competent humans look like in the future that don't take themselves too seriously. Whereas I think TNG, everybody was very like stodgy, like this is, you know, yeah. we're very proper with our interactions and diplomacy and everything else mm -hmm. like that. Um, I think that as I was also growing up, I had a lot of really strong female role models, um, business owners and mentors who, um, when I was creating my business were also very key in creating that sense of, community um, and allowing the people who really shine at something to step forward and do that thing without having the like, my ego's involved, my machismo must take over and I am right. going to, you know, I'm going to run this thing because I am the leader and it's, that's uh -huh. what they, I don't, I don't believe in that. I don't subscribe to that. And none of the mentors that I have had over my many years have, um, mm -hmm. have dealt with things that way. And so I, I think I owe credit to quite a few people <laughs> for that, not just fictional people, but also very real people um, like Lori May Comer and Ron Zazadinsky. And, and um, uh, uh, I, I could just go on and on. Angel right. Kiewikowski from Cohere. I mean, all of these people that I look at and, and they are doing things so well and so right that it's just like, yes, <laughs> this, is, this is what I should be. And this is, these are my people. So, um, uh, you know, business owners, I think that there's a lot of pressure to um, take ownership of a thing and really like, this is my vision. This is, I don't want it any, you know, any other outside interaction and almost everything that I've done um, with the, um, with the exception of maybe WTF at the very beginning um, has been done in tangent with other uh, entrepreneurs or other like-minded people. Right. Okay. So you collaborate a lot. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's a necessity for not just um, staying sane, but also yeah. for surviving long-term because if I just tried to do something, it's going to turn out okay. But if I outsource and mm -hmm. uh, invite uh, to other minds who are going to be creative about a thing, um, I'm going to get a lot better results out of that. And right. I think that that's really a, a, a learning, a tough learning lesson for entrepreneurs to get past it's uh, their egos attached and my egos attached to quite a few things but mm -hmm. the things that turn out really great are the things that I've invited other people into 
Oh, that's a great learning lesson for everyone there. Yeah, words of wisdom. Okay, so I have to get back to your story that you started with. And you said you left us all hanging there. Well, maybe I kind of diverted you. But okay, so you had first last month's rent. And, uh, you know, you started this company. And that was more than a couple of months ago. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm still here. yes, and you're still here. And so how, how has that gone? How do you, you know, make your money aside from doing the, the wonderful things you do volunteering? How do you make your money? What's that about? Sure. Um, the thing that enables me to be generous with my time and money is that I have clients um, that I work with on a number of different things. And so um, I work with different businesses, small businesses, large businesses on uh, marketing and marketing strategy. I create different types of events for them as well that um, have that same sort of impact uh, for their community as, um, as Comic-Con has for ours. And so, uh, you know, a lot of my um, hobbies have sort of lent themselves well to learning and experiencing and, and experimenting on um, different types of community events and different types of marketing campaigns and whatever else. And so, um, when I first started out, uh, right after I, I pulled my 401k and had a month of rent and a month of groceries, um, I started my, my second client ever was a website design firm and I was building websites for $350 and that's nothing. Um, yeah. that's about one tenth of what I could have been charging at that time, but because I was paying my dues, mm -hmm. um, that's what I felt comfortable charging. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, great, I built a website. I've got half of my rent. <laughs> great. I've <laughs> built a website. I've got the other half of my rent. Great. Now I've built another website. Mm -hmm. And so I just kept, it was like, a, I was just churning it out. And so, um, I took on other responsibilities at that time too. So I, I started doing some trainings for folks and, um, I landed my first big client um, which was a company out of Australia. I was doing a lot of their marketing strategy um, as they were trying to launch books here in the U.S. And I, um, I took on Northern Colorado Budweiser, um, and they sort of found out what I did and could do through some of the, you know, Ignite Fort Collins speaking engagements. And they were really engaged and, and sort of happy to figure out. And at the same time, I just sort of nurtured the this uh geekdom that I had of, uh, public speaking. And so I would just go out and talk about nerdy concepts. Um, and I, I really tried to make people laugh and entertain them at the same time. And when they did, you know, like a talk, they came up to me afterwards and would say, Oh, you know, I'd really like to work with you because I like the way you think, or I like the way you put that together. or I like this message that you had. And so public speaking really lent itself to, um, to marketing in that way. And those opportunities five minutes at a time because it was Ignite. Um, right. They're, they're 20 slides, 15 seconds a slide, and it's a five-minute talk, and that's all you got. And you'd better be brief, and you'd better be able to convey what you have in your mind. Otherwise, people are just going to fade out and not have any sort of attention for you. I eventually took over the leadership role along with Jenna uh, Lopez, who is the um, who is now Launch NoCo. And... Uh, yeah, it's, um, oh, I'm sorry, Jenna Sanchez. And she, she is a, a fantastic leader as well, um, doing some really cool things in the startup world week, uh, startup week world and uh, launch NoCo. They have a giant pitch competition, which uh, features local entrepreneurs as well. And so it's just uh, a sort of a small world in Fort Collins where everybody's sort of come from, from the same stage into now the, the leadership roles in, in our community. Yeah, it sounds like you have a lot of role modeling here for being a successful entrepreneur and 
part of that is really leveraging the community and building the community, right? And and giving, not just taking. And right. A lot of what I'm hearing from you is that you're you're a giver. You love to to create joy for others, and um, yeah. Yeah, and building that platform is really, you know, what Ignite Fort Collins was all about. If we did a bad job, you know, providing a platform for our speakers, they weren't going to come back and nobody was going to want to speak. And so when I created, I actually created TEDx FOCO, which was the first Northern Colorado TEDx. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one of our core driving tenants was I want to elevate people in Northern Colorado who are doing really cool things and deserve to have this TEDx platform um, and just don't have it yet because they had to go down to like TEDx mile high or mm-hmm. um, you know, one of the, there, I think that was really the only one TEDx mile high was the only one that was operating at the time that I was doing TEDx FOCO. And I had this call with, and I love the TEDx people, don't get me wrong, but I had this call with some, one of their organizers and they said, your event, your speakers are really folksy. And I said, <laughs> It's Fort Collins. <laughs> Duh. And so that was about the time of uh, TEDx FOCO 3. And that was the last one we did because I just, I didn't have the heart to continue doing, um, playing in somebody else's sandbox, basically. Okay. Um, and that's where, I guess you could call that an ego move. Um, because then I was like, oh, I'll really jump in in this Ignite Fort Collins leadership role and really hammer that out. And uh, um, it's, was an interesting learning experience. One of the more interesting things that happened was when we were trying to do Ignite Fort Collins After Dark. And we were hosting at a venue, a brand new venue. We'd never done it there before. So After Dark variant of Ignite is um, there are R and X-rated talks allowed. And it's a 21 and up event. And so you can show up and, and learn something that you would not necessarily have learned at the other event. Um, And we got a call from the venue and they said, oh, if we host this event, the police are going to pull our liquor license and they're going to be there and they will not allow us to host this event. So, and this was three days before the event and we had sold out the event. There were about uh, 150 tickets out um, and our, all of the ticket revenue was sitting in our bank account. We were about ready to, you know, start making some purchases for other things like that. Yeah. And so, um, at the time it was, I, it was just me because, uh, Jana was on her honeymoon. And so I, I had to really quickly assemble the team and said, we have to cancel this event. We can't do it. We have, you know, there's no other venue that can accommodate us. Um, I was making calls to the ACLU cause it was a free, a first amendment violation as far as I'm concerned. Right. Because they, they said, you cannot, if you're going to put a, uh, and their word, this was their wording uh, from the city officials. They said, if you put a condom on a banana, and one of our talks was on sex ed, if you put a condom on a banana, they will shut you down and they will pull your liquor license and not allow this venue to succeed. And so it was, you know, we can't put the venue in that position. There's just no way. Uh, and it was a pretty simple decision on our part, but it was, a, and we got interviewed by the uh, Coloradoan and other things like that about what happened and why. Um, it was a really, uh, I, I love our city. Um, and I, it was really an interesting perspective to get on the city and right. how different bureaucracies can work together and communication works and, and uh, interacts with businesses. Um, and liquor laws in particular, when they come in conflict with um, 
decency laws can create some really interesting effects, um, in particular where the city has to rein in, you know, something, a business or an event, uh, and cause that to fall within the boundaries of what the voters have approved. So, um, it was an interesting learning lesson and one that I think that set me up for more difficult decisions to come in other events. Wow. That's, I mean, just showing how you have to be able to turn on a dime there and with compelling information really quickly and, and manage that the decision-making as well as communicating with everyone on the way. Yeah. Well, Nick, you do so many things. I want to know how our viewers and our listeners can contact you. What's the best way? My website, uh, which I, I took a two year hiatus from blogging unintentionally. Um, and I sort of like the plumber's house is always leaking. Um, this is, it's very much like, Oh, it's taking care of everybody else and figuring out, um, when my daughter was born, I, I sort of stopped everything. She came a week early. Uh, and I was, we were in planning mode for, um, for Fort Collins comic con. And I just, I had a really good team so I could say like, okay, go. (laughs) Yeah. But in terms of professionality, like it just stopped everything. Um, I really wanted to take that time off and be there for my wife and my kiddos and, and figure that out. Um, and so, uh, it was, I haven't blogged for a while, but I started in on like doing better things with the community. I launched a speaking event called brain change, um, and then did Skillshare courses and other things like that, which I'd always wanted to do e-learning and just never got around to it. And finally, when I had, I had the least amount of time and ability to get things done in my entire life, right after uh, the kiddos came, I was, uh, I was creating (laughs) e-courses. Right. So to answer your question, um, it's at WTFmarketing.com and uh, that's the best way to get in touch with me. There's a contact me button right up there. I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn and other places like that. But right. my website is primarily where I like to interact. Um, and then also if uh, folks ever wanted to just email and chat, I'm always open to, to chat. And if you see me at an event, pull me aside and say, hey, you're that Nick Armstrong. Oh, great. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, it's a very approachable um, and I'll chat, chat up with pretty much anybody. So Okay. Well, that's wonderful. This has been so interesting, Nick. And you've really shared a lot with our nerd community here about the people skills, about uh, the leadership skills, about uh, just community building in general in a way that actually works for geeks and nerds. So uh, thank you so much. Thanks for being a guest. Of course. Yeah. Everybody has to have their crew. And I think that's uh, if you get a small business or a, a solopreneur, they have to figure out who their crew is. Yeah. Um, well, that's a really good lesson for everyone here. And no matter where you are, you know, even if you're in a big organization, you still need to figure out your crew too. So, so thanks for that. And that's our show. I mean, we've gone on for a long time. So thanks to you and thanks to our listeners. And um, we'll be back at reinventingnerds.com. So subscribe, rate, and review, and we'll see you next time. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Reinventing Nerds and encourage you to apply what you learned to help you communicate better. For a free consultation with Joni to see how she can help you further, please visit ReinventingNerds.com. Until then, embrace your inner nerd and remain true to yourself while you develop your communication strategies.